You are listening to the Star Coach Podcast with Meg Rentschler, episode 58. I wanted to understand what exactly are we transforming? Well, the answer is we're giving people back their lives. That all of the things that take study and practice and habits and preference to become an adult, all those things that we put into the bucket of our personality, our unique style, uh, most of it is needing unlayering. In order to be a really effective coach, one must come back to the authentic self. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, Take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, welcome to the show. It is wonderful to have you here. I want to send a special hello out to our Star Coach membership community. We have a treat for you today. Our guest is a ICF Global Past President and ICF Foundation Board Past President. Janet Harvey is a master certified coach. She's a certified mentor coach and accredited coaching supervisor and brings a wealth of information about the coaching industry and how we can be that much more intentional and present with our clients. Janet is an early adopter for creating a coach-centered workplace and has worked with global organizations and teams of leaders within to establish a generative, resilient, and high-performance culture through a coaching approach to leading and managing success. I was so grateful that Janet agreed to be in our show because I know that her experience and focus will help each of us be that much better in our coaching. Her interview is full of incredible information. So be ready to learn and let's go to our interview with Janet Harvey. Welcome, Janet, to the Star Coach Show. It is wonderful to spend time with you today. Thank you. And I'm delighted after meeting you at ICF Converge. What a treat to have this time together. You have a long history in coaching and not only through your business, you also have been very actively involved with the ICF global movement. Could you tell us a little bit about what brought you into coaching initially? So, you know, like most coaches, there's always some unique story, some event that precipitated choosing this pathway. And because it, of course, wasn't an available pathway, and it really wasn't anything named until 35 or 40 years ago, and even then in very small circles. I was as a business professional, classically trained in economics and finance and worked in the financial securities industry for a number of years. And I was at Charles Schwab and Company in the late 80s and early 90s. And I had responsibility for doing large scale strategic change. And one day the chairman walked into the boardroom and he said, 
I think it's time that we change the job that our branch personnel perform from one of customer service to selling. You could have heard a pin drop in the room, and I'm sure we all had our jaws on the table. (laughs) That was was one of the most outrageous things I think I'd ever heard him say. And even six months into the project, which I, of course, was provided this wonderful opportunity, I had to have employees ask me, does Chuck know you're doing this project? All right, not realizing that, of course, this had all been his brainchild. Yes, yes. He was always quite the prophets in our industry. And I, I kind of sat down with the team and said, I don't think anything that we've done up to this point in time is going to serve us here. This is such a, a fundamentally 180 degree shift in mindset and skill set. We're going to need to find a different intervention. And coaching was of course, emerging on the scene at that time. Right. Yes, the ICF started in 1995, but coaching was around before there was right. an ICF. And some of those early pioneers happened to live in the San Francisco Bay Area, lucky me. And I had an opportunity to engage with some of them. And we ended up creating what I now today know is team coaching. Mm-hmm. And taking some of the best of the OD interventions for group dynamics and team development and uh, creating co-creative space in an open way. And uh, we selected 100 people and six offices to be the pilot crew. Everybody's stature was left at the door. All voices counted, whether you were the part-time person who cleaned the kitchen in the office or the receptionist or the branch manager or the regional manager over that set of branches. And they had an opportunity to start over, tabla rasa. If you were going to redesign the customer experience, what's everything you would change from the facility to the paperwork, to the technology, to the events, everything was up for grabs. And they had a ball. They just had a ball. And and I was very, very skilled in facilitation, as were many people on my team. And all of us, of course, have a an OD and L&D leadership and learning and development background. But there was something different about the quality of perceiving them as having the answers mm-hmm. that, that we really believed. And so did the senior team that these folks were on the front line. They knew exactly what our customers were experiencing. And we set really clear goals about the affect or the impact of changing the processes and the experience of the customer. But we left the how up to them to decide. They did a fabulous job. They designed the pilots. They designed the measurement of the pilots. They implemented the pilots and they had to do it and still keep the regular business going. Right. It's not like everything comes to stop so we can be creative, right? Exactly. Exactly. So some people in the office would work with customers using the new approach and some people would work in the office using the old approach side by side. Ultimately, we had two years to do the project. We finished in 18 months. We had two and a half million dollars. We were substantially under budget. We had a 85% retention goal. Remember 6,000 people? Yes. 96%. Wow. And 40% of that workforce had to change locations from a local office for many people where they'd been born and raised mm-hmm. to a regional call center. So, And you still that. only had a 4% attrition. Right. Wow. And two of that 4% were people that were already at retirement age, and it was a very natural transition for them. So it was a, it was a very small disruption in that way of thinking. And it's really what it showed me was the potential that we always talk about in human beings is absolutely alive and well, if we'll simply ask it to step forward. 
And while people wouldn't be able to say I was underperforming to my potential, they could recognize, wow, this was so much fun. Mm -hmm. I guess if I could do it once, I could do it again. (laughs) I discovered things about myself I didn't realize were passionate for me or were something that I could noodle my way through, even though I didn't have any experience with it. Those doubts and insecurities about not being prepared or ready yet began to fade away because the the team orientation provided them with resource. Anytime they got stuck, they could just turn to somebody next to you mm-hmm. and go, do you know how to do this? Or have you considered doing that? And well, and they were given the permission too. Yeah. They were given the permission to tap into their excellence. Yeah, no question about it. So needless to say, I figured out what I wanted to be. Yeah, like. you got bit by the bug. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up staying for another couple of years because they asked me to retool the learning and development department and get it positioned to be able to support new workforce coming aboard, following the new protocols. And I was antsy though. Oh my gosh, I just wanted to be done. And I finally exited in 1996 and became an entrepreneur working in coaching, working in learning and development, working in culture change, and I've never looked back. So So what uh, kinds of clients do you work with at Invite Change? You know, it runs the gamut from healthcare to manufacturing to biopharmaceutical to financial services to retail. Um, We're even got a couple of hospitality clients we work with now. People are people. And I'd say who we really work with are early adopters. Okay. who, Who have caught the wave that the workplace environment matters. And that's a leadership responsibility. The workplace is even more diverse today in terms of the, um, there are five levels of age groups in the workforce mm-hmm. trying to navigate their way with each other. It's not unusual. And I've been around on the planet long enough that um, generational divides, I think that's the word most people would use, have always been around. Mm-hmm. What I think is quite different today, though, is that there is a, there's another element called technology that has been the great equalizer. Nobody has to memorize information anymore and nobody can take credit for being an expert because they've done that memorization. It's irrelevant. If you ask a good question, you can get an answer to anything, including physics and and neuroscience and rather unusually highly technical areas. In fact, the whole field of healthcare education is dramatically changing because of technology. Mm -hmm. So what does that leave us with? We cannot avoid relationship building. So tipping the balance between transactional and relational competence inside of the workplace is one piece of it. The second piece is the mindset or what I would call the science of character. Who who am I? Who have I become? And not get trapped by the convenience of personality. Oh, I'm such and such. No, you're not. You're so much more than that. And it's a choice. Every moment is a choice about how we show up and who we're being with each other. Even when we don't be very good with each other, (laughs) we still have a choice to come back and reestablish that relationship. One of the things that is so important about human society is that we are social animals, of course. And we need each other as a result. So um, nothing is irreparable and everything is negotiable. Those de- that development of the human experience, the human condition, 
that's the work we do in workplaces. So people, and we invite change so that they live and play with purpose. That's the core reason invite change exists. And we do that through coaching. We do that through learning and development experiences. Everything we do is experiential, as well as in culture consulting, where we're working more at the organizational system level. How neat. Now, I know from talking with you and and exploring your site that your passion is the subject of sovereignty. And, And I'm wondering what you could share about that with us to to help us all grow together. Sure. So if you break down the word um, sov and reign, we're really talking about self-ruling. And this is a word that's been around for a very long time. If you are a student of philosophy, you would have come across it very early on in that study practice. Um, If you're a student in politics, you would come across it in terms of a country's borders. These are my, these are my sovereign borders or we're a sovereign state. And it took me a long time to decide to settle on the word. There are three things that showed up for me. I asked a question 10 years ago as a coach educator, how is it that we have a program where people go through a learning experience for 16 months, they practice coaching and they acquire 100 hours of client experience. At the end of that 100 hours, they're coaching at a demonstration level far beyond that level of experience. Our students in our accredited program do not graduate unless they're demonstrating at the advanced PCC level, which means some of their skills are actually early MCC level. So it's a rigorous program. It's not easy to get through, but it, all, it fundamentally transforms people. I wanted to understand what exactly are we transforming? Well, the answer is we're giving people back their lives. That all of the things that take study and practice and habits and preference to become an adult, all those things that we put into the bucket of our personality, our unique style, uh, most of it is needing unlayering. In order to be a really effective coach, one must come back to the authentic self, which is a whole combination of things, right? It's our value system that most of us inherited from our family or people that were close to us in our formative years. And without taking some time to pause and say, is that still true? (laughs) Do those values represent how I make decisions and navigate my life? And if the answer is no, what are my values that I navigate my life with? Even that first level of introspection as an adult begins that process of unlayering. My good friend, Michael Stratford, who's also a longtime coach practitioner, always uses the phrase that coaching is about subtraction. And I said, oh, like Michelangelo. So Michelangelo always believed that the perfect sculpture lived inside the stone. All he had to do was chip away the excess. That wasn't necessary. This is the journey of becoming a coach. It's Michael Angelo sculpture. And that dismantling of learned and inherited behaviors and principles and values means that there's some gold, that there's an essence, an essential self, a true self, whatever language you want to use. Those are qualities and characteristics that are partially DNA and DNA and lineage. We know from epigenealogy. No, that's not quite right. Epigenetics. That's it. Epigenetics. Epigenetics. Okay. Then that we can carry the characteristic traits back as many as five generations. So there's all of that. How do we become conscious and be able to access that essential character of ourselves and let it be actualized in our lives? Because then we don't have to make anything up. We're not living on anybody else's standard anymore. We're starting to 
be self-ruling, to take responsibility for being independent and in charge of the choice of relationship to the conditions of our lives. That's the meaning of sovereignty as I think about it in the human relating field, being independent and in charge of the choices we make to the conditions of our lives. We may not immediately change the conditions. What we will do is shift our own mindset in relationship to it. We'll begin to see what our form of satisfaction and fulfillment is from an authentic place. So in living sovereign, we're acting with integrity. And for many people, that recognition that they've lived a lot of their lives out of integrity, not for any bad reason, not for any malicious reason, not for any you know pressure or undue influence, but simply out of being asleep to who they really are, being more outer referenced mm-hmm. than inner referenced. And as a, an individual becomes inner referenced, a whole nother layer of curiosity starts to show up because we have nothing to prove. So this principle in coaching about perceiving and accepting each other as whole, resourceful, capable, we add the term creative too. I use all four in our program. And to me, these are so much more than words. They are a credo to live by because what I realize it's the antidote to OPOs, other people's opinions. I remember how many years in my life I lived on other people's opinions. I took the next job or took the next promotion or took a risk to do something else to make somebody else happy. But I wasn't happy. I was bored. (laughs) In fact, I hit a staging in my life when I just said, really, is this all there is? This can't be so. And so I'm very grateful to coaching because it gave me a way to find home again in my Mm -hmm. deep passion, which is about activating the joy that is natural in every single one of us. And coaching is a perfect vehicle for that. So this, this Being back at home and being in ourselves and no longer being out of reference means we have agility, what we call response agility. And it doesn't matter whether it's with myself, I can, you know, stub my toe or, you know, have a failure or some difficulty. And I realize that's a moment, that's a situation. It's not all of who I am. So I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to take some time to come back and center and realize I have resource. All right. What's my new choice? What's my next choice? Not right, wrong, but what's the opportunity that's available to me because I am whole, resourceful, capable, and creative. And then of course, family, workplace, community, society, I actually think if we were a little more sovereign to the planet, we wouldn't be having a debate about climate change. Is it real or is it not? We would simply be asking the question, what is the way we want to be in relationship with the planet? What do we love about this planet? What's our contribution to having that be sustaining? Because it's sustaining to us too. That reciprocity formula gets activated. So sovereignty is a way of living. And it's one that I believe gives people freedom. What are some of the transformations that you see in, in skill, in, in engagement from the coaches that come through your program? So let's do skills first, and then we can, we'll do, do engagement, and there might be some other stuff that shows up there. One of the skills that I am always delighted by, um, my husband calls it on me, my knowing smile. And so there is an internal patience that shows up because people have kind of opened up their receivers and they're able to perceive multidimensionally and allow themselves to have an experience of their clients that's a bit like an ocean wave washing over them. So they're taking in all of the sensory perceiving levels, and then they're allowing themselves intuitively and instinctively to be influenced by that client. And that stimulates 
a curiosity that is more in the land of wonder. I wonder what's true for this client in front of me. And they start through that patience to fall in love with their clients. Not in an amorous kind of way. No, I understand. Yeah. Respectful way. It's like, who are you? What matters to you? What is it you're tapping into right now? What is it that you want next? And it's so energizing. So patience leads to a joyous contagion. And I think this is what stimulates and allows for accelerated learning to happen in the coaching interaction where clients realize, oh, I don't have to be stuck by my limiting beliefs. I made them up in the first place. I can make up a new one. And it feels eminently natural to do that as opposed to gear grinding or crisis or trauma. Lots of people still believe that's the only way people change. I don't subscribe to that. I just don't. Mm -hmm. I've seen it happen so often that when people have the space and the respect that a coaching partnership brings to hear themselves think out loud, to tap into what it is they're really experiencing and what it is they want, they make those changes without trauma. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you. So that patience, the ability to bring the joyous contagion, the multidimensional perceiving, and an instinctive, intuitive curiosity, that's all about wonder. Those are the big skill areas that I think the journey of becoming a coach embraces. And then I think the engagement piece is a whole other layer because I know for me, the term partnering always evoked a a legal agreement, a framework, a structure, a formality, you know, rules of the road, very left brain analytical kinds of things. And what I watch happen in the journey of people becoming coaches or even more leaders who are becoming coach-like and Mm -hmm. the way that they engage with their teams and their peers, they're beginning to realize that there, there is a necessity for the exchange between us to have balance, that we live inside of a system that works really hard to balance. And unfortunately, it's having to pay attention to where things are out of balance, right? So much of our work in organizations is the about restoring balance. Really? What if we paid attention to where balance lives and allow that to actually influence the other, right? (laughs) It's like we have the formula backwards. Hmm. Yeah. So I believe that the, the engagement is really as partner, as equals, as peers, both practitioner and clients are whole, resourceful, capable, and creative. As a practitioner, when I fully trust you as my client to go wherever you go with whatever I ask or say as right for you, I no longer have to worry about whether I'm saying the right thing. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Our partnership is what facilitates insight and learning to emerge that then becomes actionable because the client's ready for it to be actionable. That's not my judgment or my choice to make. It's only the clients. Now, I do have a responsibility in that partnership to stay true to my belief in that whole resourceful, capable, creative self. And that means being brave, to be challenging, to be direct, to allow that client to see themselves the way I see them, the way I'm experiencing them. Again, not as a right or a wrong, but simply in this moment, I'm aware this is happening. What are you aware of, client? What's familiar to you about how I'm reflecting this back to you? In what way is it aligned or congruent or the opposite, misaligned or incongruent with what you're wanting? What is it asking of you? Is there a new behavior you want? And what belief must you adopt in order to behave in that way everywhere, all the time, so that you can be consistent and congruent? So partnership is super important and how we hold that as peers and as a a source of reciprocal inspiration, super key. 
Okay. So one of the things that I'm sure you've bumped into as well is many consultants and people who are used to being hired to diagnose and deliver. So to me, that's sort of in the business field, it's consultants in the mental health field, it might be a therapist, you know, where we are, we diagnose and we help fix and then come into the field of coaching. And at first might just be blown away. Like, how can somebody hire me to not give them the answer? Isn't that the value that I bring? And, and I'd love to hear your response to that frequently asked question. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's very important, two things that you've said in the way you've set up the contrast between coaching and consulting and coaching and therapy. And one is the diagnostic piece. And this is really the beginning of the difference between a partnership and a business relationship. And if I'm to be providing my expertise so that a certain outcome can be produced. I am responsible for the quality of my ability to assess what's needed, right? Contractually, that's required. However, in coaching, we have a different premise. We're not here to fix anything. Coaching is about being useful, not being helpful. That's a bit of a vocabulary dilemma. Lots of coaches come into the field because they want to help people have better lives. Well, that presumes they don't have a good life. That's not our job. Or our person. So I actually was introduced to that switch in language by a colleague from England by the name of John Whittington, who does systemic constellations work, coming out of family constellations work for your viewers who might be familiar with that. And the more I've explored that in the last decade to switch the vocabulary from help to useful, helpful to useful. And even with the leaders of at the very top of the organization, I'm thinking about a COO right now who's doing a big, huge culture change, 40,000 person organization. And he was working on his talking points for an upcoming town hall. And I said, okay, all the places that you have helpful, change it to useful and say it out loud for me. And then tell me what you notice. And every time he said useful, he paused. He slowed down his cadence. The digestibility of what he was talking about went up. And he could feel afterwards, what he reported was, I could feel how respectful it was of the audience and how much more meaningful our commitment to take certain sets of actions um, is because we're contributing, we're not fixing. That's it. That's exactly right. And this is the distinction between coaching and consulting and coaching and therapy, therapy and and consulting have their place. They are extraordinary modalities, very valuable. And people at times need someone who know better than them how to move themselves forward. That's not the premise of coaching. Coaching says, if you want a place to hear yourself think, if you want a place to reflect and become more aware of what matters most to you so that you can navigate a new set of choices in a healthier way for you, in a more satisfying way for you, however you client define that, then our partnership will be effective for you. And the fact that they don't do it on their own is the reason we're valuable. We are, we're terrible at having conversations with ourselves. Have you ever done the little experiment of you've been having this fantasy or dream or, or idea and it's been percolating in the back of your head and you know it's like it is the best thing you've thought of in months. And you tell that idea to somebody and they look at you with this blank stare. And then that instant you realize when it came out of my mouth, it didn't sound as good as it did in my head. (laughs) 
And so yes, this is exactly what happens in coaching. So the client is able to say things and they might be saying something quite critical that never sounds as critical out loud as it does in their head mm-hmm. or saying something that they think is a really cool idea. And when asked a few questions about it, they realize, ooh, there's some missings in my head. <laughs> there might be a hole or here or there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then there might be, wow, I'm it's if it's to be, it's all up to me. Am I really believing that? I don't want that. I want to work with a team. All right, client. How might you begin to imagine having other people participating in this cool idea? And we're off and running to a new level of learning and forwarding the action. So it is about the dialogue between the coach and the client that allows something to emerge that isn't available independent of each other. That's the value proposition. It's something that's emergent. It's something that is a product of exploring with a premise of wholeness and resourcefulness present in the conversation. And the full acceptance that whoever you are, whatever you believe, however you see is perfect right this moment. And as you begin to make different choices, that will be perfect too. And the next will be perfect too. So which one will you choose? What will be your way of moving forward that enlivens you, that will sustain you as you start to face challenges? Oh oh my gosh, how many times have I had an idea and everybody said, you're crazy, don't do that. And if I hadn't found my way home to my own sovereign self, yeah, I probably would have folded and said, yeah, you're right. It's too pie in the sky. I'm not going to go do that. Well, who am I cheating besides myself? Everybody around me and the world, right? Somehow I got to incarnate now with all the capacity I have. So I am, you know, that's my, one of my life mottos is I want to be really well used as I live my life until my last breath. Thank you so much for spending time with us today, sharing your incredible wisdom and giving us a look at how we can use sovereignty and how we can be more with in our partnerships. Yeah. Live sovereign, be sovereign, coach sovereign. You bet. Thank you. Thank you. I believe Janet's interview is one of those interviews you, you would want to listen to time and time again and continue to hear new things to learn from each time you listen. If you'd like to know about Janet Harvey or about Invite Change, go to starcoachshow.com and on the resource page, you will access information about Janet. Also, while you're on the website, sign up for the ongoing book giveaway. And if you'd like to provide feedback for the show, I would love to hear from you. Next week, we will have a guest who is going to talk to us about the importance of creating your client avatar. As you know, we alternate and and bring both skill development and business building. And Mel DePaula is an expert in branding and social media. So you won't want to miss next week's show as well. As always, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to be with us and hope that you got as much out of today's show as I got in delivering it to you. If you'd like to explore the Star Coach membership community, you can do so at starcoachshow.com. Until next week, 
This is Meg Rinchler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fabulous week.